Welcome to The Vampire Squid, a podcast about increasing transparency and education in finance. This is your host, Alan Lee, and welcome to episode 13 of The Vampire Squid. Today, we're going to be talking about discounted cash flows, or DCFs, a type of valuation that is very commonly used in finance. Um, apologies in advance for the late episode and for the raspy voice. I have been a little bit under the weather the past few days, but still wanted to get this episode out for you guys so that it's helpful and that you guys maybe can learn something and find it educational. As always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please visit my website, thevampiresquid.com, or you can email me personally at alan, A-L-A-N, at thevampiresquid.com. So while I was writing the episode for the DCF, I realized it could get quite technical and very granular so that it might not be very applicable. So I will put the formula and an actual DCF model into my show notes so that you guys can go look at what an actual DCF model looks like and go into understanding more of the formula. But for this episode, we'll talk about it more from a conceptual level so that you really understand um, what a DCF is and understand how it can be applied. So we'll structure today's episode by talking about a DCF conceptually, and then we'll also go into the, the pros and cons of this valuation, why it, why it's good and why it's bad. So to start off, a DCF is a intrinsic valuation of a company. What that means is it's based on what the company can internally generate. It's based off the cash flows of the company. On the opposite end of the valuation, there's something called comps, which is based off of how your peers or how your competitors are trading. This is based, that's called an extrinsic valuation. But a DCF is an intrinsic valuation because you're valuing it based off the cash flows that you think the company will generate. And to understand a DCF, uh, I think the, the most important concept to first understand is the time value of money. So if I ask you a question, would you rather have $1 today or $1 a year from now? What would be your answer? So theoretically, the correct answer is you would rather receive $1 today because you could invest that $1 and generate a return so that in one year, that $1 could be $1.10. Um, it might be $1.20. So you would have you know this rate of return. So similarly, with the company, you always will project out the company's cash flows for usually around five years. And then you have to divide it by something called a discount rate. And a discount rate uh, includes that time value of money, and it also includes, you know, sort of the risk that people take into account for um, providing capital to your company. If you haven't listened to the financial statements episode, please do that now. But as you know, a company is made up of usually debt and equity capital. Assets equals liabilities plus shareholders' equity. So you need to calculate the cost of the debt and the cost of the equity what the debt holders need and what the equity holders need. So on the debt side, it's a little bit easier because usually if you say, if you have a bond that requires 5% interest a year, so if I had $100 and I had a 5% interest, I would pay $5 per year. So for the cost of debt, I would be 5% in this example. And then on the cost of equity side, it's a little bit more complicated because it's not as simple as just having a certain return each year. There's actually a more complicated formula to calculate this. It's called the CAPM formula, Capital Asset Pricing Model. Now, the CAPM takes into account things 
like the size of your company, um, the industry of your company, uh, and, and uh, many other factors of your company to determine the risk profile of the company and what the equity holders would need to invest into your company. So after you have your cost of debt and your cost of equity, you would proportionally allocate it to create the discount rate. Um, so for example, if you had 50% debt and 50% equity, you would do your cost of debt times 50% times one minus your tax rate, because remember, debt is uh, a pre-tax line item. And then you add that to 50% times your cost of equity to get your discount rate. Now, in the future, when you have your cash flows projected, you would divide by, uh, you know, this discount rate to get to your present value of your cash flows to determine the value of your company. Okay, so now after you've done the first five years, what do you do after the fifth year? You know, the company doesn't just stop after five years. So after the fifth year, you need to calculate something called the terminal value. Um, and the terminal value can be calculated in two ways. It can be calculated using the perpetuity growth method, or it can be calculated using an exit multiple. So the perpetuity growth method is conceptually assuming that your company grows for many, many years after um, at a at a certain pace. And people usually like to slap on a rate saying your company will grow, you know, according to inflation. And then you can calculate your terminal value. And there's a formula for this so that this value accounts for all the cash flows that your, your company will generate post year five. Another way you can calculate it is assuming that your company gets bought out in year five or using a, a more of a comps approach. So you would assume at the end of year five that you would have an exit multiple applied to your cash flows. So how much would someone be willing to pay for your company at the end of year five? So these are two ways to calculate the terminal value. And after you have this terminal value, you also need to remember to discount it to the present value. So now I have years one, two, three, four, and five in the present value, and I have my terminal value in the present value. Now all I have to do is add these cash flows together, and then you get the valuation for your company. That is conceptually what a discounted cash flow analysis is. Not very difficult. If you need to actually model it out and go into the formulas, then you know, I'll provide that in the show notes if you guys want to get, if you guys want to get a little more granular in understanding how to actually do it, um, you know, please visit my show notes. But on a conceptual basis, that's how a discounted cash flow analysis works. So some of you might be asking, you know, why do I have to discount uh, my cash flows? You know, why do I have to discount future cash flows in year two, three, four? You know, don't I just get to keep that? So I think the best way to, uh, to understand this is say you're starting a company and for this example, let's just use debt because it's a little bit easier to understand. So for this example, you're starting a company, um, you need $100 in, in cash. So we'll go with debt holders. So you go to a bank, they give you $100 in debt, and they say, we need a 10% interest rate on this every year. Okay, great. For this example, let's also assume there's no tax rate just for simplicity. But say in year one, your company generates $110. So your company doesn't automatically just get that $110. Your company gets only $100 because remember, your company needs 10% interest on $100 that the bank invested into your company. So your company would only actually get $100.
So that's, that's a conceptual way of understanding why we need to discount future cash flows. Um, and obviously there's the equity holder side and obviously there's a tax rate, but just from a very simple way to uh, understand this concept, I think that's, um, that's a, pr- that's one of the more clear and concise examples that I can think of. Now, now that we understand this type of valuation, you know, what are the shortcomings and what are the, the positives of this type of valuation? So the shortcomings, the main one is, you know, who can really predict what your company is going to generate five years into the future? Who can really even generate, you know, the next year or the year after that? Things happen in the world. Things can change. There might be a new competitor. Um, the economy might go into a downturn. I mean, there's so many factors that could happen. So basically, your valuation from a DCF is only as good as the assumptions that you provide the DCF with. So if you're not able to provide very good assumptions, then your DCF valuation isn't going to yield you um, a very accurate result. Next, um, this is a little bit more difficult to do with companies that have unpredictable cash flows. Uh, and this could be maybe early earlier stage companies too. So companies that have varying cash flows each year. The company might generate $10 in the first year, $150 in the second year, maybe $30 in the third year. So it's very, very lumpy cash flows. So this is also very difficult to use the DCF valuation because um, you don't have an accurate prediction of what the cash flows are going to look like. The best way to do a DCF is if you have a company that consistently grows at a 1% or 2% growth rate each year, and very stable, very predictable cash flows. You know, these types of companies are best suitable for a uh, DCF type valuation. And in technology, you know, the sector that I worked in, a lot of the companies that we worked with didn't even generate cash flow or positive cash flow. So there was no way we could use a DCF valuation for a majority of the earlier stage tech companies that we worked with um, because of the examples that I just stated. And for those, we had to do it based off of, you know, comps, um, you know, how competitors are trading. Uh, and even, you know, with tech companies, some, some value them off of the, the users that they have, um, for those companies that don't even generate revenue. So, uh, assigning a certain value to the number of users, uh, or the number of clicks that a company gets. So a little bit more creative types of valuations, especially for the, the more earlier stage companies. Now, for the advantages of a DCF, you know, as we stated in the beginning, a DCF is an intrinsic valuation of the company. Um, so it's a little bit less likely to be, uh, skewed by public markets. So for example, you know, in a huge downturn or for the market in the recession, companies were all depressed no matter, you know, what type of industry they were in. You know, every company was doing poorly, but some of the companies might have still been you know, decent companies, and that might not have been their true valuation if you were doing it on an intrinsic basis. You know, similarly, in a, you know, market upturn or, you know, the peaks of markets, companies that have very high valuations may not be able to back it up with the intrinsic side. If they, if they can't generate the amount of cash that um, a company needs to have to be valued that high, that's not a very good sign. That's why people use many types of valuations for a company and they don't just pick one. They want to be able to spot check each other. So um, for example, if you know I was in a downturn and I did a DCF model and my DCF model valuation or my intrinsic valuation of the company was much higher than my, my extrinsic valuation, this could be a potential investment because you know, I know that at the end of the day, this company will still generate this amount of cash. And 
intrinsic and ex- extrinsic valuation in a perfect market will usually small in the gap. Vice versa, if the company valuation is too high extrinsically and on an intrinsic basis, it's um, a lot lower, you might consider selling that company. Okay, so I think that's all I have for uh, DCF valuation um, from a conceptual basis and what are some of the pros and cons of a, of a DCF. And once again, if you guys have any questions or comments uh, specifically about the formula, you know how you go about calculating a DCF, how you go about predicting the cash flows, the discount rate formulas, you know, please go to my show notes and I will have links to a more, much more detailed explanation as well as links to a DCF model so that you guys can open it up in Excel and play around with it yourselves. You know, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, thevampiresquid.com. And you can email me personally at alan, A-L-A-N, at thevampiresquid.com. Thanks again and ciao.